Hey, 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 this is Ace in the Place Podcast. I am your host, Ace. Today is Monday, April the 5th, and yesterday was Easter Sunday, you all. I hope that everyone had a blessed day with family and friends and in your place of worship if you went to church. Um, if you, I actually watched um, Pastor Bill Winston of Living Word um, via the internet yesterday. So I didn't attend church yesterday. I did virtually, but I hope you all had a good time with your family members and your loved ones. And just thinking back, you know, of what Easter and, you know, growing up, what it meant to me. So I grew up in the church. And so we, um, we knew the meaning of, you know, Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday and, you know, um, Easter is, was the time everybody got dressed up, right? You wore all your nice clothes on Easter, right? It was like a thing <laughs> growing up, um, in the church, right? So sun, Easter Sunday was that year that everybody wore their nice stuff. So you got really dressed up. You got to eat good and spend time with family. And so I'm just doing a little reminiscing, you guys, of, you know, what Easter Sunday meant to me growing up, you know, in the church setting. Like I said, this year, I just kind of did virtual. I didn't attend church yesterday. So that was different um, this year. But just seeing my daughter playing with, you know, her cousins and, you know, I did get to spend time with family and and to enjoy the presence of family. And, and those are the things that means the most to me, um, regardless of it's being a holiday or not. You know, I'm just sitting and reflecting on time spent with family. And these are the things, holiday or not, that I hope is most important to you all as well. So, now that we have established that, I want you to come in, have a seat, get relaxed. We're getting ready to get into our show for today. But first, I would like to set the tone with a small musical selection. Oh, things and what they used to be. 
Okay, thank you, Mr. Marvin Gaye, for that musical selection for today. So, today's topic is Black Lives Matter. And you all, this is a heavy one, right? This is one of those topics that are a little heavy to our culture. But I am, I chose this topic for this week because uh, George Floyd, they are actually currently doing the trial for the officer who murdered him. Right, because that's what it was. It was cold blood murder. And so we, I wanted to speak about um, just the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, what it means, of course, some people of different races, and I've even heard black people say, you know, all lives matter. Well, if that were to be the case, if all lives did matter, and if everyone was indeed treated equally, then there would be no narrative for black lives matter. So we know this to not be truthful, right? And let me just say as a black woman, as a black mother, and um, someone who loves herself as a black person and who cares about everyone, right? I care about human beings overall, but I am a black woman. So black people are especially dear to my heart. And so what I want to say is it's always this conversation of, you know, um, so If, you know, black on black crime is so high and, you know, I'm doing things in the community, in the community, you all, I've spoken about Ace Cares, a community stronger. And so when I see things on the news of my brothers and sisters killing one another, murdering one another, those are just as heartbreaking to me as seeing the police killing an innocent black person. Okay, so let's get away from this narrative that black people don't care about black on black violence. Right. Black lives matter is apples and oranges as opposed to black on black crime. One has nothing to do with the other. Does that mean that we don't need to come together as a race? No, it does not mean that. Does it mean that we don't care about what's happening in our communities? No, it doesn't mean that. Black Lives Matter is simply about um, uh, police brutality and racially motivated violence against black for systemic racism, right? Because if Pookie kill Ray Ray and Pookie get called by the police, Pookie is going to jail, right? So the narratives are not the same. The police are killing innocent black people, innocent black men, and no one is being held accountable. This is why we protest. This is why we get in the streets. We're not getting in the streets. We're not saying black lives matter because we don't care about black on black crime. That is a distraction. That is a narrative of the enemy. Please don't buy into it. And again, like I say, Ace in the Place podcast, I have tried to be open with some of the things that we need to work on as a community, as families, and how we can try to move in a more positive direction. I will continue to speak on these things, even when some things may hit a little close to home, not only for you, but for me. 
right? I try to be as transparent as I can about things that I struggle with um, in terms of whatever topic we are discussing. But I want us to move forward in a positive direction. But with that being said, Black Lives Matter doesn't have anything to do with black on black crime. Okay. (laughs) So now that we have established that, um, black lives matter is a decentralized political and social movement protesting against incidents of police brutality and all racially motivated violence against black people. And so this is still very relevant to today, right? It's very relevant to the society that we still live in all of these years after slavery, right? These things, we're still talking about it. These traumas we're still dealing with, right? These these wounds that we have to heal from. So I have been listening in and out of the George Floyd trial. What I did see today was they... Um, a black officer got on the stand and was testifying against, well, he was testifying that the force used by the officer is outside of protocol. And so they were asking him questions of, you know, what is protocol and things of that nature when situations like this arise. And, you know, of course, they're going to try to break down his story to make it seem like, well, you know, this was an isolated incident or, you know, If you are an officer, whether you be black or white, because obviously I think that honestly the police system is, you can be a black police officer and still, um, and still racially target black people. Does that make sense? You all, do you kind of get where I'm going with that? And so it's not always about the color of your skin. When you are a police officer, you can be a black officer and still racially profile black people. Right. And so um, if you are a officer of a different race and you're afraid of someone simply because of the color of their skin, that is a problem. These are the things that we need to address. These are the things that are damaging to black people. People commit crimes every day, day in and day out. Does not mean because you do something wrong or because you commit a crime that your life should be taken, period. And so these are the things that we have to discuss that we have to heal from that we have to acknowledge it still exists so i actually um i actually read a book it's called the devil you know by charles m blow now the title is kind of like what the devil you know it's actually a back a black power manifesto so Charles M. Blow, he, he goes over some things in regards to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and how these incidents were kind of like turning points in not only the black communities or the black culture, but just in history, right? Because when George Floyd died, of course, a lot of people were, were protesting, they were rioting, they were looting. They did um, a lot of looting here in Chicago. And no, I didn't go out and participate in any of the rioting or the looting. 
However, the aftermath with me working in the community and seeing my community be um, devastated that way was heartbreaking. It was hard to see. However, I do understand people's anger. I do understand people's frustration. Yes, we know some people was out there just to get free stuff, right? Let's not focus on that, you know? A number of the people were out there because they were angry, they were frustrated, and they were tired of seeing black people killed at the hands of the police. It's like, what do we do? We're protesting peacefully. We're, you know, we're trying to move forward in a positive direction, some of us, right? And to see these things happen day in and day out with no repercussions for the police, no accountability, no punishment, it's that part. If y'all start locking these officers up and giving them life in jail, I think some of them would think twice before they go and murder another black person if they know that they can go to jail, that they can be taken away from their families, that they can that there are consequences to their actions. I'm not saying it will change a complete system overnight. I'm saying that we are in the streets protesting. We are in the streets rioting because we need these officers to be held accountable. We need these people to understand that it is not okay to kill innocent black people. And so... Charles M. Blow, he goes over um, some historic events. Actually, the book is is more so about, he goes over some historic things as far as Emmett Till and Rodney King. So just briefly, Emmett Till was a 14-year-old um, boy from Chicago who was actually murdered August 28, 1955. So he was from Chicago. His mother sent him to Mississippi um, to spend time with family members. And he, it was alleged that he whistled at a white woman. Her name is actually Carolyn Bryant. She came out several years after his death admitting that she lied about him whistling to her. So at the time, she said that he whistled at her. Her husband and some of his friends rallied up and found Emmett Till and brutally, when I say brutally, brutally beat him, and then shot him in the head after the fact. And so Emmett Till is a part of black history because his mother decided to have an open casket at his funeral because she wanted the world to see um, the damaging effects of racism, right? But And actually, the photographer that took the photos of Emmett Till in his casket, his name is David Jackson, right? These photos are a part of black history. And even, I was watching a video on YouTube today, even seeing that photo today, right now, in 2021, it broke my heart to see the way that his face looked, right? It is sad. Is sad, and you know, honestly, I am. I did not watch the video of George Floyd. I didn't. I I cannot subject myself to that type of trauma. I know these things happen, and I can only imagine that black man crying out for his mother, 
Trust me, I know, right? But I'm not one to subject myself to that type of trauma, right? Because I just don't want to, it's not that I don't want to deal with it, right? Because we have to deal with these things. We have to process these things. It's just that I don't want to visually see it. But I did actually see the photo of Emmett Till today. And like I said, all these years later, seeing the way that, you know, how his body looked is heartbreaking. And then after they brutally beat him the way that they did, they shot him in the head. His mother literally could see the hole in the fracture of his skull. And I know this because uh, Charles M. Blow in his book, The, the Devil, The Devil You Know, he goes through the account of where he interviewed Emmett Till's mother. And she spoke about um, her son's death and seeing his body, you know, and having to, um, having to, I'm sorry, he didn't interview her. I'm sorry, let me correct myself on that. He spoke, he actually interviewed Trayvon Martin's mother. I'm sorry, so that is a correction. He didn't interview Emmett Till's mother. He just, um, he recanted her account of what she went through with discovering her son's body. He actually did an interview with Trayvon Martin's mother and her going over her account um, with what happened with her son's death. And so, like, Emmett Till's death was a turning point in African history. I think about maybe... Somewhere around 5,000 lives were lost in between the mid-1800s and 1960, which was about five years after Emmett Till's death. A lot of people um, were killed just in, uh, and actually Emmett Till's death sparked the civil rights movement, right? This was like the turning point. And so we're bringing these things up now because you know, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, they have been some type of turning point for us right now in modern day, right? Recreating history right now. I spoke about um, my classmates who were the first uh, African-Americans to have a, a bread company. That's history, right? We're going to talk about these things. Um, even this pandemic we're in, the amount of lives that were have been lost because of COVID-19 it's history, right? We'll read about these things 10 and 20 years from now. Our children's children will read about these things in the history book. And so I'm speaking about it because George Floyd has absolutely been a turning point for um, black people. A lot of black people were angry with um, seeing this man and, and us having to deal with these type of things so many years later. I mean, we've had a black president. We're currently in a in a excuse me, in an administration of a of the first black woman vice president. And we're still having to talk about these things, right? We we still have to have these discussions. We still have to process and heal from these type of things that are happening day in and day out. Um even with Rodney King, right? So in March third, nineteen ninety one, Rodney King was an American activist who was beaten uh, brutally by the police. And that was a turning point in history as well because a lot of riots sparked in L.A. or and even all over the country, right? Just like George Floyd. 
a lot of riots happened, you know, after Rodney King, the Rodney King incident. And so uh, George Floyd is like our modern day Rodney King or not even because Rodney King wasn't killed. But even just Emmett Till, even the brutality, I think that's what it is. With Emmett Till, of course, back then they didn't have the video footage, but to see the photos of how he was brutally beaten and murdered, right? And even to this day, there is no law against lynching. There is no law that outlaws lynching to this day, even after Emmett Till. Um, So we have to talk about these things. We have to process these things. And again, like I said, this is somewhat of a heavy topic. I hope that next week I can have something a little bit lighter that we can discuss so that it's not always so heavy, right? But again, I I felt moved to kind of speak about this. And, you know, I, I I love my black people. I love my black men. And I can only pray and 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 hope and believe that we can come together and to be better not only as a culture but as a world and as a human race right because we're all human at the end of the day we we are all human we all bleed the same blood and so it's sad that this is the world that we live in but i believe we have the power to overcome and one of the things that um charles M. Blow talked about in his book was black people actually migrating back to the South. He created, you know, he, his book, you know, pretty much went over, like I said, instances of Emmett Till. He did some interviews with Trayvon Martin and, you know, he's a very educated man. He always has been educated and he simply goes um, and talks about in the book, his interactions with the police while he was in college, right? He was a young black man who had never been in trouble, wasn't in a drug life, wasn't in the street life. He went to school. I believe he went to Howard University. Please don't quote me on that, but I believe he went to Howard University. He was very educated and he talked about being stopped by the police and the police drawing a gun on him, right? And so these things are... Sadly, you know, black men have to expect these things. And he talks about how the same thing happened to his son when he was a teenager. or He might have been about in his early 20s at the time. His son was educated just like he is, a college student and did well in life. You know, everybody, but because of the color of your skin, you are perceived as a threat. And you have to be prepared to know how to handle yourself in these situations. We as a race have to have conversations with our children about how to conduct yourself when you are approached by the police. Because guess what? If you're afraid, running might be a natural reaction, right? If you're afraid, you know, you know, reaching for your phone or anything might be a natural reaction. But as a black person, you have to sit your children down and explain to them, if you are stopped by the police, never run. Even if you're afraid, never run. You know, never reach without saying, hey, officer, I'm going to reach for my my driver's license. I'm going to reach into my pocket to get, you know, 
my ID or whatever it is that they're asking you for. We have to have these conversations with our children. And not everyone is a thug. Not everyone is going to be doing something criminal, right? Sometimes you are going to be stopped just because you are black. And this is the world that we live in. And it's sad, but we have to prepare ourselves. We have to prepare our children. And a lot of us have to heal from these things. Because being a young black man who isn't living the street life, and even if you are living the street life, it doesn't mean you deserve to be gunned down by the police. But to be a good citizen, to be educated, to be trying to live your life right, and to be mistreated and mishandled by the police, to be racially profiled. It's traumatizing, to say the least. And we have to not only deal with these things, but we have to heal from these things. We have to find a way to let these things fester and you know, us to become angry and bitter because we essentially have to deal with these type of things. And so... We just got to talk about it. We got to get through it. We got to talk to our children about it. You know, um, I have a daughter, but there will come a time I will have to talk to her. Just being a black woman with how to conduct herself when being approached by the police, unfortunately. And so it is, it's a lot. But we're going to get through this. I'm not really sure what is going to happen with the trial of George Floyd, the officers. I don't have much of an expectation right now. Again, like I said, George Floyd's death was, it was some type of turning point. It was some type of shift, right? Um, Just like um, Laquan McDonald. And his officer was convicted. I think he got less than a year or maybe. Don't quote me on that, you all. I'm going to look that up and see exactly how much time that officer got. But I know that his family absolutely appealed his um, the verdict for him. And so I'm not sure where they are in terms with that. I will do a little bit more research and then I will get back to you all next week in terms of what I actually found with that. But these things are, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe that these men be held accountable. Anyone involved from the officer who did it to anyone who helped to cover up or to try to um, handle the situation without uh, properly doing things the way they should have been done. And so I hope that his family can get some type of justice, some type of closure. It's hard to say because a lot of black families never receive closure from these type of situations. A lot of black families never receive justice. And it's it's hard because, again, if Ray Ray kills... You know, Anthony down the street, if Ray Ray get called, he going to jail, period. So let's start holding these police officers accountable, black or white, whatever the color of the race of the officer is. If you kill a black person, if you kill anybody, 
you should be held accountable. You should be going to jail. And so we are, I'm going to kind of wrap up. I think I'm coming close to my time. But this was, again, like I said, I'm going to try to pray and be positive and hope for the best with this the officers who are involved in the George Floyd situation. We still haven't gotten justice for Breonna Taylor. They have, you know, let the officers off the hook in her murder. I'm not sure if anyone is filing an appeal right now or if they are trying to do anything else in regards to her death. I will do a little research on that as well this upcoming week. And then at the beginning of the next show, I will kind of um, talk about what I've what I found in terms of Brianna's Taylor, her death um, and the officers involved. Like I said, I know that they were acquitted of the charges. So I'm not sure if anyone's filed an appeal or if they're trying to do anything else to try to hold someone accountable for this young woman's death. So I will do some research in regards to that and I will get back to you all next week. And so I hope everyone has a good week. I hope that you all can be safe and love one another. And I love you all and we will chat again next week. Okay, bye. Hey, hey, this is Ace in the Place podcast. I am your host, Ace. And today is April the 13th, Tuesday. I am one day late with the podcast, you all. Yesterday was a busy day for me. I didn't have much time to myself to get the podcast recorded. So I know you all do not require an explanation. I'm just explaining because of how I am. I usually, I'm the type of person who likes to stick with schedules and I'm very punctual and things of that nature. So when things go off track or plan, I guess I felt the need to explain because I try to stick with the order of things. So, I hope you all are having a good first half of your work week. For me, I am like, is it Friday yet? (laughs) Okay. But no, tomorrow's just Wednesday. And we are halfway through the week. Tomorrow we will be at hump day. So, we're closer to Friday. We're getting there. Not quite yet. But I hope everyone is having a good week and if you're not turning around tomorrow is a new day and we can wake up we have the power and the ability to wake up with a renewed attitude so before we get into our topic of today rapper dmx passed away last week at the age of 50 so to set the mood for today we are going to do a musical selection from him And this is one of the more heartfelt songs, I guess, from DMX, right? So, we're going to, we're going to get into it.
Today's topic is, well, today's title of the show is Courage Under Fire. Wow. And what really um, gave me that, what said in my spirit about that title was a tweet from Ayana Van Zandt. She's actually on her last season of Ayana Fix My Life. And she tweeted, courage not only means being able to do something new, it also means taking steps to be someone new. And that really just got me to thinking, right? How do we find courage in the midst of fire, right? In the midst of chaos, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a pandemic. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, life has thrown us all curveballs lately. I don't care who you are, where you are, where you live, how old you are. You, I'm pretty sure you have experienced some type of trial or tribulation within the last year or so. From losing loved ones to the pandemic to just the the constant and police brutality has been going on for the longest, right? This is nothing new. But it's recorded now. And so we see these things. I don't particularly try to expose myself to the trauma of the videos. But people do. People share them. We see them on the news. We see bits and pieces on the news. Even if we don't see the entire thing. And so we are consistently surrounded by fire. Right? 
the world feels like it's on fire, how do we find the courage to not only do something new, but to be something new? Because for some of us, the test that we're in, the season that we're in, we have to pass it in order to get to the next level of life, in order to get what God truly has for us, for his will, right? Because it's all about God's will. All Everything was preordained before we got here. He knew our beginning. He knew our end, right? And we can't change that. So what do you do? What do you do when you can't you can't change God's will, right? So we're going to get a little bit more into that from a DMX interview. Um, again, I stated that DMX passed away last week at the age of 50. He was, he went into cardiac arrest and he was, I'm not sure if it was an induced coma, but I know that he was in like a coma and he was in a vegetative state. And I don't know if they pulled the plug or he just died of his own natural causes. But he he died at a very young age, 50. And, and DMX was very influential in the rap game in the 90s, right? DMX had, he always had a style about him, right? He always had this, this voice. I'm not going to try to imitate it because y'all probably would laugh at my version of DMX voice. What? No, let me stop. But he, he, when you heard DMX, you knew it was DMX, period. And a lot of rappers in the game don't have that, especially nowadays. I listen to um, current rap music. I listen to what's relevant right now. But a lot of the artists nowadays, I don't know their names. not sure what their faces look like. I just know the music. Right. And a lot of them sound the same. But with DMX, it was never it was never like that. Like whenever you heard DMX, you knew that was it was him. And, you know, DMX struggled with addiction off and on. Uh, I would think for most of his adult life or a good portion of his adult life. And so I I wanted to speak about him in today's podcast because, you know, I was just watching some videos of him watching videos of celebrities speaking about him swiss beats talked about him and how he prayed he always prayed for other people more than he prayed for himself and that just that just was like wow really you know how many of us are praying for other people more than we're praying for ourselves like that's that's the level of of a spiritual spirituality that I can only hope to get to one day. And sometimes we get so caught up in our own prayers, our own thoughts, our own desires, our own our own wants that we may pray for others, but not nearly as much as we pray for ourselves. And so I thought that was very interesting to hear that about him. He always in his album, he'd always have a prayer. He'd always talk about God. Um, and so his relationship with God, he was very vocal about that throughout everything in his career. And so in the video that I watched, I would say the video probably was recorded sometime last year. 
it said April 3rd. It didn't give a year, but I believe it was April 3rd last year because it was around the time the pandemic first started and everything was shut down and he was talking about the distractions, right? About how now we are in a season where the things that we thought were so important aren't really important, right? When everything got shut down, so many people were out of work, you know, everything kind of like pretty much stopped. And all these things that we thought we needed that were so important, they really aren't. And so God's word says, peace be still. Like it's God's will. It's already preordained. And God will find a way to sit you down. If you haven't seen that season in your life yet, it's probably coming. It's probably coming. God will find a way to sit you down. And you're going to have to draw closer to him. If you're smart, you're going to draw closer to him in that season. Um, And so that's because that's, I think that's what he wants. I think he wants us to draw closer to him no matter what. And, And DMX talked about being a child of God. He talked about God's love for him. Even with struggling with addiction, I think some of us sometimes feel like we have to be perfect or we have to, you know, be without sin in order to draw closer to God. Like you just can't come to God and say, I'm struggling with this. I'm going to struggle with it today. I'm struggle. I'm going to struggle with it tomorrow. But God, you know, I love you. I know that you love me. And through deliverance, I will be, you know, I'll be healed. I'll come through out. I will come out of this. Whatever it is, your sin or your struggle or whatever it is, addiction, uh, abuse, um, sexual perversion, whatever your struggle is, um, you can come out of that. God can bring you out of that. And even if he doesn't, I mean, even if you're not strong enough to come out of it, still draw closer to him because it will help you get through whatever it is you're going through. And DMX talked about that in the video as well. He said, when you have a relationship with God, it is going to get you through whatever it is you're going through. It will withstand you. You have to draw closer to him. And he said, the the best thing that we can pray for is that our desires coincide with God's will. And that just, that that really spoke to me, right? That word, the, the desires of your heart coincide with God's will because it's going to be God's will regardless. There's <laughs> nothing we could do about that. But we can only pray that what we want aligns with what God has in store. And so even when it doesn't, I think that that's that part about God sitting you down, right? When your desires don't align with God because you're trying to do things of your own will instead of the will of God or trying to seek the will of God. And so when life happens, it kind of sits us down. And then it's that moment. It's that it's that test. It's that storm where we have to say, okay, do I have the courage to do something new or be someone new? In the midst of this fire, in the midst of this storm, because that's hard. Let's just be honest. None of this is easy, right? None of this is easy. And so it's already hard to 
to do something new or to be someone new, but to have to do that in the midst of a storm, it's a lot. But he, he also spoke about it's always going to be God's will. He actually even did the sinner's prayer. He was like, if you want to repent and ask God into your life, we can do that right here, right now. And and just to get that relationship with God, that we are all God's children, right? And he went through some scriptures, e- Ecclesiastics 4 and Ecclesiastics 3. 16 and I'm actually going to read those scriptures in a little while because I do want to read those scriptures and if you want to take notation of them to go back and and read them for yourself I think that that's good because the Bible says my people perish for a lack of knowledge so and and then we we can't always understand why and that is very relevant to the season that I'm in because I'm the type of person where I need to understand right I need to to process it to a certain degree and a part of processing it for me is trying to understand why but I am learning at 34 years old that Some things you are not going to understand. You won't have that understanding. And you're still going to have to process it. You're going to have to get through it. You're going to have to heal from it. And you're going to be better for it. Right? Because all these things are making us better. If we actually do have the courage to try to become something new, we can become something greater than we ever imagined. I feel... I feel some of us are in a season where God wants us to be so much greater than we think, right? Like we have tunnel vision. We're thinking, okay, God, this is what I really want. This is really what's important to me. And he's and he's up there looking like, but if you only knew, if you can get through this test, I have things in store for you that you've never thought of. You know, I have things so much greater than you could ever have imagined. And so some of us are kind of selling ourselves short, right? And, 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 but we need to draw closer to God to get that confidence, to get that courage, to get that strength, to get through the test, to get through the fire in order to be the best version of ourselves, in order to be, um, to align with God's will. And so with God, Whatever it is, whatever it is you're going through, you will be able to get through it with him, with your relationship with him. And so many of us have lost loved ones. You know, it's it's hard because we're 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 gonna miss them, but ultimately we're the ones still suffering because we're here on earth, right? And so we're going to miss them, but a lot of them are going on to glory. So, and it's like, he also made a statement about, DMX made a statement about, what makes you think you can change what's already been written? God's will. It's already been written from the beginning to the end. What makes you think you can change that? 
So in other words, you better draw closer to God and fall in line. So Ecclesiastics 6, I'm going to read these scriptures because these were the scriptures that he went through in his video. And it kind of, it, it spoke to me. Now this is the message version. So you can do King James or any other version, but this version that I am reading is actually the message version. And Ecclesiastics 6 says, I look long and hard at what goes on around here. And let me tell you, things are bad and people feel it. There are people, for instance, on whom God showers everything, money, property, reputation, all they ever wanted or dreamed of. And then God doesn't let them enjoy it. Some stranger comes along and has all the fun. It's more of what I'm calling smoke, a bad business. Say a couple has has scores scores of children and live a long life. Long life, but never enjoyed themselves, even though they end up with a big funeral. I say that a stillborn baby gets the better deal. It gets its start in the mist and ends up in the dark unnamed. It sees nothing and knows nothing, but it's better off by far than anyone living. Even if someone lived a thousand years, make it to two thousand, but didn't enjoy anything, what's the point? Doesn't everyone end up in the same place? We work to feed our appetites. Meanwhile, souls go hungry. Even if someone lived a thousand years. Oh, okay. I read that. I'm sorry. So what advantage has sage over a fool or over some poor wretch who barely gets by? Just grab whatever you can while you can. Don't assume something better might turn up by and by. All it amounts to anyway is smoke and spitting into the wind. Whatever happens, happens. It's destiny. It's fixed. You can't argue with fate. The more words that are spoken, the more smoke there is in the air. And who is any better of? And who knows what's best for us as we live out our meager, meager smoke and shadow lives? And who can tell any of us the next chapter of our lives? Wow. So, that's the scripture. And I would say it's, it's, it's relevant. It's relevant to the way of the world, right? That a stillborn baby is better off than a person that lives a thousand years. That's deep. Because they haven't seen anything. They haven't experienced the hurt and the pain and, 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 and the things of life. They haven't been tainted. They're closer to God than anything, probably. And so I, I, I would assume that's why they said that the stillborn gets the better deal. It gets its start in a mist and ends up in the dark unnamed it sees nothing and knows nothing but is better off by far than anyone living wow that's um that's a deep and then ecclesiastics 316 god's testing us that's what it says and this is also the message version it says i took another look at what's going on the very place of judgment corrupt the place of righteousness corrupt. I said to myself, 
God will judge righteous and wicked. There's a right time for everything, every deed, and there's no getting around it. I said to myself regarding the human race, God's testing the lot of us, showing us up as nothing but animals. Wow. Ooh, I'm <laughs> that's that's a that's a deep one. That's a that's a deep one too. Thank you, DMX, for that those Ecclesiastic scriptures. That was Ecclesiastics six. I believe I read the entire verse. I mean the entire book of six, and then Ecclesiastics three sixteen through eighteen. Wow. So I just want you all to, if you want to go back and reference those scriptures and maybe do a different Bible version so that you can have a better understanding. But I just want to salute and and just pay homage to DMX. Again, like I said, you know, just growing up with a troubled uh, childhood and trauma and struggling with addiction and, you know, being a thug and all these things, it was a it, it was a lot, but he always spoke about his faith in God. And again, when Swiss Swiss Beat said that he prays for others more than he prays for himself, I really thought that that was just very stand up, you know, because I didn't know that about DMX until he passed. I knew, you know, but to here's someone who knows him personally you know say something like that it um it just gave me a, a little bit of a better understanding and i hope that his family can be comforted in this time because you know 50 is a it's it's not old right 50 is very young but it's god it was god's will for him to have the time that he had here and none of us know when our time is up and he spoke of that in the video just to love your your loved ones love the people in your lives and I know here at Ace in the Place podcast I try to always encourage us to to love one another and to try to be better individuals that has been my platform for this podcast since day one Ace in the place, the place you come to grow. So I will continue to stay on this journey. I will continue to try to encourage myself. I will try to encourage you all as much as I can. And, you know, I want to actually switch gears next week. I want to do something fun. I'm going to have a little mini guest. I'm going to have my baby Ari on the show next week. And I think we want to do like, um, I want to do actually a little cooking because I'm, I'm the chef, right? Um, I haven't been doing much with my business in terms of catering or, or, or doing anything, but I cook all the time. It's obviously my heart's desire. And one day I, you know, I'm putting the plan in motion to, I'm not sure where this podcast will go, right? I know that, that I can take it in different avenues to build my business, to build my brand, 
right now I'm working on the Juneteenth event right now I'm working on helping the community and reaching out to others that are less fortunate and I'm knocking out one goal at a time but this podcast I tend to brand my business with it and I just want to kind of switch gears next week to do something fun and quick with Ari, something that you all can join us in. It won't be anything major. We won't do any like gourmet type meal. I only have a 30 minute podcast, but me and my baby always make smoothies, right? And that's her thing. And I was thinking about possibly making some smooth. I don't want to overload myself with this Juneteenth event, you all, but I really want to start doing something for Ari this summer in terms of her selling her smoothies and just getting her a business started because my baby, she always watching me in the kitchen, so she wants to do it. I can't say that I want to put that on her, but because she sees me do it, you know, she'll join in and she, she, we make these smoothies and that's our time to bond. And so you all, if you want to join us next week and make the smoothies too, or you want to write down the recipe. Um, so I'll be doing it. The smoothies usually consist of strawberries, bananas, blueberries. Sometimes I'll do raspberries if you want to. Um, I, I, I sweeten it with honey instead of sugar. And we do a little bit of orange juice. We have some ice. And yeah, that's that might be about it. I think I got one more ingredient, but I can't think of it right now on the top of my head. So if you have any of those things around next week, you all, I'm going to do like a little small tutorial. Like it's like smoothies. Who needs tutorial on that? My baby going to make smoothies <laughs> you all next week. And so that'll be just kind of a switch in the gear for the Ace in the Place podcast. And and some shows I will be talking about cooking and doing recipes and trying to do tutorials because that is something that is close to my heart as well. And and my business, again, like I said, this podcast, I'm I'm not sure where it's going. I I just been it's been sitting on my heart and it's been sitting on my spirit and so I just I'm going with it. But it can it's definitely gonna play into what I'm trying to do in terms of my business and I love to cook and I want to incorporate that and also like I said that's the time that me and my baby have together and she's she's only three but she's so smart and she's very um in tune with things and she loves helping me out and so I want to so if you have the supplies, we can all do it together or you can just write down, you know, whatever. And so I hope everyone has a good week. That is my time. And I love you all. Peace.